So the next verse is verse 7, which is the practice of Tonglen, giving and taking. In short, I will offer directly and indirectly every benefit and happiness to all beings, my mothers. I will practice in secret, taking upon myself all the harmful actions and sufferings. In short, I will offer directly and indirectly every benefit and happiness to all beings, my mothers. I will practice in secret, taking upon myself all the harmful actions and sufferings. So let's uh, talk a bit about uh, Tonglen. Uh, for most of you, this will be just a reminder. But that's what we often need to be just reminded. Ah, yeah. That's also the practice of Tonglen. How about practicing it with right now, what is happening right now in my life? It's probably one of the most powerful or beautiful practices within the Tibetan tradition. It's like, you know, if you want to settle on one practice, uh, kind of, because you want to simplify the whole thing, then uh, Tonglen could be a good choice. Uh, Tonglen can be practiced with any kind of situation, in any kind of situation, in, in any moment. And if you are familiar with the practice of Tonglen, it becomes a way of living. So it's not a practice, it's just a way of living. It's a way of relating to the present moment. And initially it's, well, it's like you, you, you feel all oh, the instructions are quite complex and there's that and that and this visualization. And, yeah, but it can be very sim simple, it can be very simple. could say it's a practice of just being open to what is and giving your best. Giving your best in the sense of uh, giving your loving awareness. So and that's combined the, the 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 opening to the present moment to what is is combined with the in breath. But that's you know one one shouldn't be too occupied with the in and out breath, and, uh, but it it can be like a bit a bit like. So, <laughs> it's like present moment. Okay, 
this is what it is. And I'm here. I'm present. This is what I feel. This is what I think. This is this is what is happening. And I breathe it in. I I let it I let it in. And that's content stink show. Our our thing our our instinct our it says you know fight flight. So this uh, letting let, letting in you know, is I mean everything else is actually insane. It's kind of denying what is, pretending what is isn't. So if you have a kind of a, a team meeting, which is claustrophobic, stuck, yes, or the way uh, to be uh, to bring Tom Len into that is to let it in. This is how it is. This is what I what we experience. This kind of breathing it in, letting it in. And then with the out breath, what is what is needed in this moment? So you give that to yourself and the situation. With the out breath, you just give. And I guess loving awareness is always a good choice. Or whatever kind of word you loving presence or Kindness, care, warmth. So with the out-breath you give that to yourself and others. I mean, in, in, in a way you always just give to yourself because it's all happening inside. The claustrophobic team meeting is happening inside. It's a display of awareness. What is, you know, using the four steps uh, of practicing Tonglen from Pema Shutram. And she's a good example of a practitioner who has chosen Tonglen as her heart practice. So whatever book you pick up from her, it's a Tonglen book. And uh, so, in her uh, in her teaching, the first step is the connection with Buddha nature. So, this is connected with what we talked about before the break with her. I I, I forgot your name. Yeah, Emma. Emma. Yeah. yeah. This kind of uh, so, in order to hold the pain. There needs to be the container, there needs to be the love, there needs to be the resources. Otherwise, taking it in will uh, re-traumatize yourself and you will just go into the spiral of... Yeah. So, and the same as uh, with Tonglen. So, 
you're not breathing in it into the narrative self because yeah, first the narrative self is actually the part who responds to Tonglen. That's crazy. I'm not breathing in the cancer of other people. <laughs> yeah. So we are not breathing in uh, the pain of other people into the narrative self. That's not the. That's not going. I mean, first the narrative self will certainly resist it. It might pretend. Yeah, oh yeah, breathing in the pain of other people. I want to do that because then I will be more spiritual. So what we are breathing in uh, into is uh, is 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 where you are looking from. Not what you are looking at. So you're, you're breathing it into what you where you are looking from, from the source. So you're breathing it into the sky. You as the sky, you breathe it in. Not you as the separate solid reactive I, but you as the sky, you as the witness. You as your true self, you breathe in. And that's where you breathe in the pain of this moment. And uh, initially, if there's no recognition of the witness, when there's no recognition of the nature of your mind, then that can be symbolized. So that's like a common way in the Tibetan tradition that actually all this, all these tankas, they are symbols of the, of the nature of your mind, of your Buddha nature. Yeah. So one way in the Tonglen practice uh, is to symbolize uh, the source from where you're looking from, the capacity, the empty, knowing, boundaryless, timeless capacity to be aware, which is your Buddha nature, which is Rigpa. Did I start a sentence? Well, <laughs> is that was at the end of the sentence? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> ah, so yeah, a symbol. So, so you uh, one way to work with this on a provisional level is um, to symbolize the Buddha in your heart or Tara in your heart or there's some recordings. Uh, I, I taught Tonglen a lot so there's a playlist on my SoundCloud profile with Tonglen and one symbol I often use is the lotus and, and there's a diamond resting in the lotus. Yeah. So the lotus and the diamond they are 
you know, you find them in the different, you know, in Genrezik and you know, different. Uh, so it's a very common symbol and it's the it's symbolizing uh, method, method and wisdom or compassion and wisdom. Yeah? So the diamond is the symbol for wisdom and the lotus as the symbol for bodhicitta. So that's that's one way, one provisional way to connect with um, with Buddha nature. If it's not available, non-symbolic, and, and, and that's what we want to uh, develop into. Of course, we we want to have a, what is called a direct, a direct experience, a non-symbolic experience, not with the sky and. You know, these are all uh, uh, provisional steps. They are symbolic, yeah. But they are not the experience. They are not the realization. So we start the uh, and in daily life that could be just a bit like I mean, you have so if you do that in a formal way for a while and then. And you just, it's a kind of mindfulness practice. You become more, more and more aware of the constant presence of the lotus and diamond in your heart. And when you feel I, then you, it, 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 starts, to, it starts to fall into that. Yeah? So I... Not I as the I'm not good enough I, which is somewhere here, yeah, in the in the in the loop of the narrative self. But it, it so the when you when you feel I, when you think I, it, it blends into the lotus and the and the diamond. That's where I lands. The word I, the concept of I. Or you could also imagine a Tara or a Dalai Lama in your heart. Or just a, a sun, yeah, like just light. Yeah? So whatever, whatever works for you. And that's where you breathe in. That's where you breathe in the claustrophobic energy of the team meeting. So that's where you breathe in. And, and the same, the out, the out breath, the giving, comes also from that place. So, with the with the in breath, there's the transformation, and this transformation mainly happens through the power of the diamond who sees the emptiness, who sees clearly that the claustrophobic meeting is made up. It's a creation. It's a it's a drama you do, you you create. So that's how that transformation happens, and and one can uh, make this even a bit more complex. One imagine the claustrophobic claustrophobic energy in the room as a kind of black smoke, which comes in. And then as soon as it touches the 
the diamond, it poof, it disappears. And it disappears because it is seen as empty, as having no substance, as being not, not real in the sense, in the way it appears. And then with the out-breath, you kind of switch a bit more to the lotus and you add the loving quality, the caring quality from the lotus into the room. But if you have, if you have done that uh, a few times, then, um, then, then you, do, you don't need the symbols. It's like a it's just feeling what you're feeling. Just experiencing what is, how it is. It's like a yes. Oh yes. This is a claustrophobic feeling. It really sucks. It feels like that. It's suffering. And this is how it feels. And it's empty. It vividly appears like a rainbow. But it's empty. It's unfindable. As something. It's real and unreal at the same time, in the same way a dream is real, it's a dream, it appears, something is happening, but it does not, it is not what it seems to be. And then reconnecting with the innate essence love. And Breathing out from there, radiating out from there, into the room. Then the further step in the practice of Dongnan is, and we are not alone with this, there's countless claustrophobic team meetings right now happening. So that's also... Uh, uh, a kind of a lojong trick, you could say, from, oh, why am I always ending up in claustrophobic dream meetings? And I think I need to change the job and it's so horrible. And uh, so it's blah, the, the narrative self blows it up into this personal thing. And uh, so the lojong trick here is in a situation like this, oh, I'm not alone with this. I'm not the only one right now was back pain. There's so many people right now who have back pain. I'm not the only one right now who has cancer. There's so many people who have cancer. So that that's like the me 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 to uh, to connectedness. Humanity is cancering. And and then naturally, 
there's some tenderness, there's some some wish uh, for yourself and for others to be free of cancer. So, so you you kind of use something which is which seems to be something to get rid of. Well, it seems to be something you have to get rid of. You turn it into something which helps you to do the most important thing. It's kind of, that's part, I mean, the most important thing. What's the most important thing is to uncover the source of love in your heart. That's the most important thing in life. It's it doesn't it's it's not so important anymore if one has cancer or not. It's maybe a bit of a tough uh, example, cancer. Yeah, sorry, if someone has cancer, you, I should have chosen a, a lighter one. But, uh, but 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 it's it's like. Uh, so that's transforming problems into happiness. So these are the these steps in Tonglen, the Buddha nature, yeah, the giving and taking, and then I'm not alone with this and may through my practice right now, through my presence, may everyone who is being, may all team, team meetings right now, all claustrophobic team, team meetings suddenly be bathed in light and love and creativity. And it's quite likely that something in the team meeting will change. At least, you know, you will change. And if one member of a team meeting changes, that probably has an effect on everyone else. Because we are so deeply connected and resonating with each other. So if one person in the, in the team starts to relax and open, and opens his heart and eyes to the other people, that might affect the productivity of that meeting. Maybe not necessarily, but you know, quite often that's the experience. So practice with Tonglen, uh, the practice I, I said in the beginning, which is uh, quite something to take, I mean, it's a good sentence to take with you, and that's in the beginning I said, uh, Tonglen can be practiced in every situation, with everything. Yeah, so it's just you know sometimes it's a bit difficult to figure out how to how to do it exactly. Um, so just to give you some examples, uh, so Tonglen can be practiced with past uh, with past experiences. Yeah, so you can do some inner healing with breathing in the pain of the little girl and giving her from your adult and even better from your Buddha, from your Buddha being, to give her what she needs. Yeah. This is really powerful. 
I mean, this kind of makes psychotherapists, uh, takes the job away from psychotherapists, but, but it is a powerful method. So it is, it, it can be, Tonglen can be a method to work with the different members of your internal family system. You know, breathing in their pain, opening to their pain, and giving what they needed. And, and it, I mean, you, you know what she needed, because you, know, you have been there in that place. You know what she needs to hear or what she needed back then. Yeah, because you, you can still walk in her shoes. Uh, Tonglen can be also practiced with something which is going to happen in the future, like if you know something, if you're stuck with this attack of attack of you know something in the future, which is of course, I mean, it's like it's fantasy, yeah. But still, uh, we manage to torture ourselves with fantasies all the time. So if you have something like that, like you, you know you have a team meeting next week and it will be claustrophobic because all teaming, all team meetings has been claustrophobic this year. So then, and so and instead of suffering with that fantasy and stressing out and worrying and making plans and and uh, you know this kind of self torture we we do. Uh, then you can practice Tonglen with it. So you open, you breathe in, you kind of suck out this black smoke out of the future team meeting. It's being transformed in the lotus and the diamond, with the lotus and diamond. And then you breathe out what is needed in that team meeting. So then again, that's transforming problems. So you use something which uh, is something you would like to get rid of or you would like to solve, you use that for, uh, for connect, again, connecting and doing what is most important in this life, to connect with the source of essence love. Another example is if you have a person who, uh, who you know, died recently, was very sick. Let's take someone who died. So there's a grieving process, or this person returns, visits you. Yeah, obviously you love that person, so you will think about that person. And uh, you know, sometimes that kind of visits they trigger guilt and uh, and so on. So it, it, it it's experienced as something. It's experienced as a problem. Yeah. Uh, so Tonglen gives gives us the opportunity again to do this, uh, the most important thing, to you know, to use the visit the visit of that deceased person as an opportunity for you to connect with the most important, the, 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 your capacity to love. And so you breathe in. Maybe you breathe in the struggle of the death, or you know, so, or whatever you feel this person is still carrying in form of black smoke. So the, when you do the in-breathing, like with a sick person, with a dying person, 
you, you, you really imagine that you take the burden away and you are also willing to take the burden away. Like a mother, you know, wanting a mother or a father really feeling, if I could, I would take this upon myself. I would even die for my child. So that's kind of the attitude. Remember, you are not, you're not taking it in with the narrative self. Yeah. So you breathe it in. And then you breathe out what is needed. And, and, and you see the person you're doing this practice with, with receiving. So you change the associations you have when this person turns, in your, turns into your mind. So before, this person turns into your mind and you have guilt and anger and you know, stories, yeah? And then it comes with the feeling. So with this practice, you, you change the mental image. You change the association when this person visits you. And, it and this person becomes like an angel for you. So you think about that person and all you feel, I mean, it's idealistic now, but that's the process. I describe it a bit idealistic, but that's the process. So that person, instead of disturbance, you, when that person comes, you, you, uh, you connect with love. So you can do uh, Tom Len also with uh, your with uh, just with an inner experience you have, yeah. So not related to others, like anxiety or you know depression. So then, and there's you know different ways to do this. One way is to kind of step outside. Like you no, know, we have this capacity. We have the capacity to go meta, like. No, I, I could ask you now, so step outside and look at yourself sitting in this room. And then you look at yourself and you say, may this being be happy. Yeah, May this being be happy. So if you have some stuff going on, you step outside and you look at yourself from the witness perspective and then you say to yourself from from the from here may this being be happy and you 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 breathe out into that being which happens to be you because you label it you you, you make you, know, you put a, a label on it an etiquette this is me. Uh, so you, you you breathe to this being um, uh, what what this being needs. Yeah. And then there's a bit more like if you if this doesn't make sense for you, then you would kind of do this like in your internal world. So there's the stuckness here, but there's the lotus here, and then you and you do it like this within within just within yourself. 
And here also again, it makes always sense to make uh, to put uh, this addition of um, and I'm not alone with this. As many other people who feel the same right now, it's actually not personal. And my own uh, healing process with anxiety, for example, is in the same time also a gift to all the other people around me who suffer from the same. Which makes sense because with the anxiety we experience, for example, is also shared anxiety. It's a collective anxiety. It's always mixed between, it's always a mixture between the personal aspects from your psychological history, but also from the, the collective uh, society in your tribe, in your culture, in your country. Tonglen can be also practiced in good moments. Yeah? So you have a joyful moment, uh, an open moment, and then uh, again, you I mean, the taking in is not so difficult, but it's still good to do uh, because often we miss the good moments. We don't soak them in. We don't pause. So this is really an important skill. Uh, to uh, uh, to actually notice good moments. So that that's uh, so that's the taking in. That, that's not very challenging, but important also to do. Yeah. Like if you hear a nice piece of music or a touch or a good food or sitting in the sun, yeah, that you really. That you really take it in, that you that that you breathe it in, that you soak it in, that you pause in that moment, and then with the out breath you share it. May may all beings experience this happiness, this contentment, this peace, this joy, this love. So you multiply it by sharing it. And uh, this makes more sense, you know, to share with all beings if you uh, start to experience that you are not separated from all beings. So otherwise, I mean, in, in a kind of narrative, materialistic, narrative self, materialistic point of view, you could think, so what's, you know, this is just wish-fulfilling thinking, positive thinking, sharing with all beings. How can I, I can't reach them, they are out there. Yeah? But that's, that's a distortion of reality. They are not out there, all beings. So that's why we can share with them. So with the practice of Tonglen, we, are, we start to also understand that you know, our spiritual practice is not a private trip. It's actually not about you. As I said before, the narrative self is not the part which will awaken ever. We are doing, we, we never did this for that part. We always do it for everyone. We can't, we can't help ourselves. 
it's it's a disappointment for the narrative self, of course. One kind of side effect of the practice of Tongnen is that you become more aware, you, you can become more aware of the resistance of the narrative self to do this. So, and this is very important, so part of looking through this distortion of the narrative self is the first step is to become more aware of it. Ah, there is this thing, this parasite, which claims to be me and which is claiming my experience uh, which is claiming experiences as as mine yeah so that's an important insight to become aware of that parasite sitting somewhere in your brain So when people say, yeah, I, I, you know, this is, I, I can't do it. It's like, yes, so that's good. It, that's an insight. So what is that I, what is that I which can't do it or doesn't want to do it? Yeah, and then, and then, you, then you start to identify uh, that, that, that parasite. Yes, so are there any questions, comments? I forgot to give some space for that, but uh, so you interrupted me, so that is good. Yeah? Mm, thinking about the time when you breathe in, it's uh, too short to fit all the darkness. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, there must be a point. Mm. Being focused to, to the breath. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what I usually do is um, when I teach it that I say, so for a while we focus on the breathing in, but lightly. Yeah, but so we 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 we, uh, we, we do the breathing in, like I don't know, for a few minutes or for uh, as long as you, you know, as long as you feel. Um, um, you need, yeah? and then there's a switch, and we go with the out breath, and then we just do the giving. Yeah? So that's uh, so, and and yeah, it's good not to. I mean, particularly if one is a perfectionist, then it becomes too. Yeah, so uh, it's like oh, it's, it's breathing in, so it's quite complex, and so. It, Take a take a light, so it's it's more just like yeah okay, and then a bit of in in breath, yeah. So you and then and then you switch, and then you do for a while you do the out breath, and then if you are familiar with the practice, it might be possible to kind of you know, do it more quickly, yeah, to alternate. It could be if it feels okay, and if it's it shouldn't be straining and like concentrating on it and. Uh, so just more natural than light. Uh, yes. Uh, so mm, uh, in in this visualization with the diamond and the lotus, 
sometimes what I uh, what I lead is like let's say you do it with one, a sick person like just an example so you take the time to with as long as you need with the in-breath to kind of slowly like a black smoke to kind of suck it out the suffering and it kind of like like smoke yeah black smoke so it comes and it starts to gather here and it forms a little ball yeah so and then it and while you do that you see the person lightening up so if you do it with a very sick person you change the mental image where the mental image of that person starts to change and you see her as healthy as radiant yeah so and so grateful that that suddenly this darkness is lifted and then it gathers in front of your nose in this little ball and then you take a moment check up are you still there Buddha nature <laughs> because now it's going to happen <laughs> And I don't want it. <laughs> so and then you might then it might work better kind of this idea that you kind of breathe it in and yeah, and then it comes down and then poof. Yeah, it's transformed. And then you do the out breath. So you you do the out breath. Uh, so you, you give the person. And and then a, a, a nice ending to that is that uh, at, towards the end of this process, you start to see the lotus and the diamond in the heart of the other person. Yeah. So you you uncover uh, you un you you uncover the 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 Buddha nature in that person, or you look through the veils of the suffering of the depression or addiction or sickness of that person into into her essence and then you can feel how there is a connection between this diamond and lotus and this diamond and lotus this is very this is a, this is an amazing uh, this can be that this can lead into amazing shift on how you look at people yeah particularly if you have someone in your life like uh, someone in uh, who is uh, tortured by a, 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 an addiction, so for example, uh, where we kind of we lose hope. Yeah, we do kind of. Yeah, so this is not going to go well. This is just going down. Uh, so this this uh, this 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 lojong perspective helps us to. Uh, to stay connected with that which is not uh, that which is not poisoned by whatever this person is suffering and and you start to see that wow what i'm seeing is just a little part of this infinite journey of the stream of consciousness and i i just see this little this little journey and I think that is the person, this is an addictive person and it is going downhill. I think that's that's also you know some of the you know you can feel when you are 
with uh, with some of the masters that they see you like that they, they kind of they 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 they, up, they also see the the layers of the cocoon of the narrative self and the suffering coming with it they also see that but they actually see through the, all of that and they see you as a buddha and with that with that seeing yourself as a buddha they draw that out it becomes also it becomes accessible to you also so if you relate to a person and you have a view it's hopeless it's like there's nothing can be done this is this is will end in death yeah yeah that's a very different view on that person than not, not denying the the relative suffering but also not losing the side of the essence and and in your view you no know, this is like also how you look at your children you know the way you look at children that's what you also help them to draw i mean if you see a, a child as you know as unlovable then that will become part of the identification of that child this is a, you can that you can notice that you know children who work uh, who grow up in a culture like in the tibetan culture where you know where the this uh, this uh, faith and this trust and this experience of buddha nature is just there tibetans they don't suffer as much as we from i'm not good enough and it's uh, i'm hopeless and i'm broken that they, they they don't suffer from that because they 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 grew up in a culture where where buddha nature was reflected to them through the eyes of their parents so there's quite a lot you can see in in this practice of tonglen there's the compassion part there's the wisdom part and it's a, it's a simple practice which can be you know, can which you can do at any time you know, in daily life in in each moment when you talk with a person you know, if you work with people you know if you are a therapist a coach a doctor a nurse uh, if you are taking care of people i mean that's why you touch people in your work uh, so that's that's all moments where this practice can be very enriching and meaningful also it's very good if you work with people to do this um, practice of tonglen from the, for them if they are not present you make a list of all the people you work with like lama sopa does I have a question yes how to know that the relative self not are there how to know that you look for it i look for it yeah. and, and uh, so i believe yeah see it. 
the, the narrative self is there. Yeah. yeah. But that's what it is. It is a it is just a story. Mm. Like like a a dream is there. But if you look for the reality of the dream, while well, a rainbow is there, it appears, but if you look for it, you don't find it. So what is not there is a solid, separate I. And the narrative self creates the illusion of that. And if you look, then you will see it yourself. What you find when you look for the narrative self is sensations in the body, and stories, names. And neither of it is a self. Stories are not the self. Sensations in the body are not the self. So that's the object of negation or the object of refutation. And once you have... So the first, the first step is to identify it what is it actually how does it feel how do, how does this feeling of i myself and mine how does it appear within the space of my awareness and then and then you look for it in the body so you really look okay so i mean so not to be too confrontive you can use this one yeah so I don't do it with you, but so you can watch. It's not so scary if we do it here. <laughs> so, I mean, there's many ways to do this, but one way is so. I, I, obviously, like everyone else, quite often, I have a sense that there's an I here, yeah, a me, and. Uh, First, I could start to look for the I or me here, yeah, but you know, that's, no, it's not there, it's not there. Right? So it makes sense to look somewhere here in this meat, meatball, <laughs> in the sausages, in, in the sausage, you know, this, like this is the skin, and, and there's like this, yeah. And, uh, and this is made from many, 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 many cells and many, many communities. Uh, the heart community, the stomach community, the skin community. And they all work together. And they do their thing, the brain community. Uh, so, and then, and then I look. So, okay, where is that I, that me, that self? Where is the center in this? Where is the control center in these communities? Yeah. So, and then I look, and I, I, I haven't found it so far. I, I always just find parts. I, I always find no self. Yeah, and then the other place to look is what you could call the mind. So, and then I look into the mind. And there is the illusion as if there is someone behind making the decisions and having the thoughts and stuff like that. But if I really look, what I find is something similar as when I look into the body. I find many parts, but I look for one. 
I look for me. I look for the one. For the for the, the one I am. But I find memories and names and internal family system, 51 mental factors. You know, I find stuff, a lot of things. But I look for one. And I can't find it. I always find many. So, and then I pause. I rest in the not finding of myself. It's easy. It's, it's obvious. I mean, it's so obvious as if there's no banana here. <laughs> so how can I, how do I know that I, there's no banana here? Yeah, I know how a banana looks like. And I check, no, there's no banana there. Finished. <laughs> so the same is, I have a sense how this I looks like, how it feels like. And I look and I don't find it. I just look. Oh, it's not there. That's it. But, but first, of course, I need to know how a banana looks like. Otherwise, I, I, you know, if I don't know how a banana looks like, then you know, to ask me if there is a banana here doesn't make sense because I don't know how a banana looks like. So first I need to have a sense of the object of refutation, of the object of negation, how it appears. And that's also quite easy. I mean, it's the eye which is behind your eyes. No, the eye, this, this sense of there is like something riding, something extra kind of riding within the body-mind from place to place. Sometimes people say, yeah, but the eye is the whole thing. That's the eye. <laughs> you have to think about that. It doesn't make sense. To say something like that. It's the whole thing. Yeah, you can call the whole thing the I, but that's just a label. Yes, it's a valid statement to say the whole thing is the I. Yeah, but that's not how we feel. So what what we are what what the object of negation is is how that how that I appears to you, how it feels. It's like the central position where you have the sense that you are looking out from. And that center position is separate. It is something extra than the body and mind. It's, in, it's an instinct. And that, and that I, that imaginary I, that then claims mine. So there's a thought and it says, mine. There's a feeling, mine. It's that which says, this is my hand. 
there seems to be a separate I here, like a kind of owner who has also eyes, and that owner looks through the eyes and says, this is my hand. It's also the, the one who claims to make your decisions. It's me. I decided to come today. I make the decisions here in this territory. But decisions just appear. There's nobody needed there to make a decision. Now the, here it is quite interesting to look into neuropsychology, you know, because they also try to figure out how does that work. There must be some 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 control center in the brain who is kind of over, like su supervising everything and then somehow there is someone then who says, okay, I go left, I go right. Yeah. So it's interesting uh, to, you know, to, to look into that, how they start to describe how it's actually a network, that it is a process. There is no central control center somewhere making decisions. It's a process.